Hello, dear listener. I have something truly special to share. It's an exclusive invitation to join me in Mexico for an intimate and luxurious three-day retreat along the beautiful Pacific coast of Zihuatanejo, taking place the weekend of the spring equinox, March 18th through the 20th. There's also an optional day to stay through the 21st for some special ceremonies that are happening in the area for the equinox. But the retreat itself is the 18th through the 20th, really an opportunity not to be missed. And I'm offering one lucky listener a discounted ticket. On this weekend that I've, I've just been loving into being actually for several years now as COVID and you know everything, but when we conceived of building this place, our home down here it's really what we envisioned, you know, bringing people down here for retreats, for trainings, because we felt and we knew that this space was special. And as people keep coming down and we keep getting the feedback, how magical it is, we want to share it in a really intentional way. You know, be working with the four elements, earth, air, fire, water, the metaphors of the season will set sight on a new vision for our mothering journey and creating a deeper connection to self and mother nature. So to win a discounted ticket, rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, screenshot it and DM it to me on Instagram at Dr. Gertrude Lyons. And remember, the most important thing to mother is yourself. Give yourself permission to take a retreat this year. Besides, who said mothers can't go on a spring break? I'll see you there. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome to Mother. No, it's Mother. Welcome to Mother, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences. We're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way you never have before, but have always needed. It's time we rewrite the Mud Her Code. Hi, and welcome. Today's episode, I'm, I don't know, I moved a little vulnerable, excited to be stepping into. It's a personal reflection following this past weekend, which was the Women's Essential Experience weekend training. It's an intensive weekend designed by Dr. Judith Wright at the Wright Foundation, where I work. I think you all know that. And it's sponsored by Sophia, the women's organization under the umbrella of the Wright Foundation. And Sophia stands for Society of Femininity in Action. So Right off the bat, I kind of want to make a little comment on, you know, feminine, masculine. I'm going to be talking about that a lot in this podcast and you just heard Society of Femininity in Action. And I want to make it clear from the get-go that when I say that, what I'm talking about are feminine values. It's not man-woman. It's kind of non-binary in that way. But at the same time, there are what I consider forces, energies, qualities uh, that are inherently more masculine and or more feminine. So this training is a lot about, you know, what our world looks like right now as far as being pretty dominated by masculine values and what it looks like and what it could look like for us to bring in more feminine values. So we'll get into more of that in the episode, but I just want to say that right up front. So having been one of the first participants on this training in 1996, 
it was part of a leadership training that uh, Dr. Judith Wright was holding. And it was something she came up with that she thought would be a really powerful experience for us in our leadership training to, you know, discern and discover, really like hold a mirror up and look at where are and are we not living into feminine values. Very powerful for all of us. And we decided on that weekend that this is something we should offer women, you know, in this format, what turned out to be once a year, but, you know, we'd love to do it more, right? Because it was so powerful and, you know, it held tremendous meaning and impact for all of us that shared that first one. So we've had this training, whatever, delivered this training every year since. And I have been a participant every year, but from a leader perspective. And I get tremendous value, learn, grow, go into it with my own goals. Certainly isn't something like a job I do to like come in and like put on a training. It's very powerful. So I want to share, you know, I'll share a bit more about kind of just the overall training itself and and in that regard. But then mainly I want to share more personally as this particular one, well, it's the first time I had a podcast uh, to talk about it, but it also, this particular one had some unique elements that were very meaningful for me. And I, I think relate so much to, you know, mothering ourselves, what it means to do that and how, you know, f- living feminine values supports that. So I hope overall you can and will co-voyage with me on this journey. You know, as always, you know, see what you resonate with, what meaning is there in it for you? What can you notice about yourself in regards to feminine and masculine values? And hopefully as I did, you know, really discover the power when I develop them and live into feminine values. So why was this one special? Let's just start right there. So this this particular training is it's the second one we've done online. It traditionally has every other year before that been held at our conference and training facility and actually our Wright Graduate University campus in Elkhorn, Wisconsin. So on this beautiful land, you know, up in Wisconsin. So obviously COVID last year, we always hold it in May. Uh, That wasn't going to be possible. And we, meaning the women leaders and some of us uh, in Sophia thought like, well, we just can't do it. Like if we can't be in person for this training that has some really significant experiential um, aspects to it. um, And so much of it has always felt like the power of being together was such a critical aspect But Dr. Judith, from the start, I I don't know, maybe she wavered, but she certainly didn't with us ever waver that, no, you know, this is translatable and it's really important that we figure out how to put it online. So we, in the long run, have that option. But she had complete unconflicted consciousness about it, even though all of us were like, no, no way, no way. So that is one of the reasons I just admire and think she is so amazing because, you know, she really has this intuitive sense of what can happen and let's fully go for it. And well, we discovered last year that it worked. And the women who attended the training online, you know, and and myself personally, by the end of that weekend said, wow, like this is to me just as powerful as the in-person training, different. And there's things, but different in ways that I light. And, you know, I could really come off like evenly saying based on, you know, the similarities, but then even the differences that uh, one wasn't necessarily any more powerful than the other. And I, I think just a side note on that, one of the things that that I think emerged for me and just in in having that experience is, you know, what we're working on in, you know, these deeper levels of our self-awareness. And I, I don't know, it kind of transcends 
I've discovered this year, as we've done everything online, that uh, it's like the wisdom transcends the medium is how I've kind of deduced it, right? And that I can have an incredibly transformative experience, you know, looking at a screen, sitting in my home, uh, I think it's pretty incredible. And I think it's more feminine. I think the fact that you know, we can create a space for deep and personal and really vulnerable experiences and learning points more to wisdom versus knowledge, you know, and, you know, structures that like, in rigid ways that we hold things. So I think it's pretty beautiful. So that was really big. But this year, so we did it again, you know, we're not quite at a place to bring it in person. But we really wanted to stretch and go for a big goal. And like, if we're going to be online again, let's get a lot of women there. So we tripled our enrollment and had our biggest women's essential to date with 104 women. And that's 104 women participants between leaders and other women in Sophia and women supporting the training, uh, we had another 50 women. So it was powerful and incredible just from that standpoint. And then another layer of just going into the weekend that made this one extra special for me were the fact that I had women from different areas of my life attend the training. And if you've ever, you know, put on, well, it, with anything, but particularly if you're putting on a intensive, vulnerable training and you invite people, you know, to it, it's vulnerable. <laughs> you know, you want everything from, are they going to like it? Are they going to get something from it? What are they going to think? And believe me, I had all of that. So, you know, women from many areas of my life and from my work life being supported by, and, um, you know, from our life, you know, where we have a, another home in Mexico and from that life and just saw, you know, areas of my life come together. But particularly one of the attendees was my daughter, Morgan, who you, if you listen to the episode where I had both of my daughters on, Morgan and Hannah, you met her already. So she chose to attend this one. And it really wasn't until after the training, like, first of all, it was so special. And it, you know, it's not like I'm going to share or talk about her experience. But for me, you know, it held a lot of meaning. And it, I really hadn't put together that she actually, this was her second time doing Women's Essential because she was on the very first one in utero with me. So I don't know, there's something like particularly special about that. You know, it's a women's training. It's, you know, I'm now focused on mothering and the fact that she was, you know, active and a part of it and has been a part of this whole journey with me from the start is really beautiful and special. And it, I guess, was the kickoff, you know, for what was going to end up being, you know, that how the journey played out for me and mothering from that point. And now to be, you know, kind of, I don't know if you'd call it full circle, but certainly now with a grown daughter, you know, 24 years old to, you know, really have time to reflect on that my journey as a mother, you know, and certainly there, there's just lots positive to say about the woman she's become and, I'm so, so proud of her, but, you know, to know and be able to look at what has our journey been together through this lens, right? There's lots of perspectives and lenses I could, you know, view and have and have talked about, you know, I talk a lot about my mothering journey, but I think this weekend, you know, I'm going to share a couple specific examples for me where having her there, you know, brought some of this to light and brought some of my journey to light. But I think uh, before I go there, I want to step back and kind of give, you know, not a, a full overview of the weekend, but just to get a sense, you know, of what 
the intention, what the vision that uh, we have for women who attend this training and for myself every time too, is to really kind of go behind the veil, like lift the veil of, of everything from what we may kind of, of course, be aware of in our world around how our world is, you know, in disharmony when it comes to living masculine and feminine values. And again, I will underline, this isn't anything about making the masculine bad or wrong or, or men, you know, people would kind of joke sometimes, oh, is this, you go up there and like men bash, like a hundred percent, no, and not at all. Do we intentionally focus on feminine values and put them, you know, shine the light on those and look at how us, you know, myself as a, a woman and how the world has over is and currently is still is very much overvaluing the masculine and has for, I'm not going to pinpoint an exact date, but you know, probably a good five, 6,000 years. And we go into, you know, kind of how that shift came about, but really looking at, you know, a rise in, in patriarchy and, and overuse, overvaluing of, of the masculine. So really looking at the impact that has had on our world and the downside, of course, you know, of that have some amazing things happened in the course of those years, of course, like incredible, incredible. But it's more so looking at like it happened at the cost and the expense of devaluing and not just not honoring, like, you know, squashing and obliterating in some arenas, uh, the feminine. And, you know, who knows, like how all this works and why we have you know, shifts and balances of power. But what we really want to look at and look into is, all right, well, that's true in the world. I could like say like, oh, bad them or, you know, bad masculine values. But how am I personally, you know, where and how do I overvalue the masculine and not, you know, value my feminine and feminine values? And where have I? And how do I still, you know, so we really hold up and want to hold up a pretty clear mirror, you know, and be willing to look at that. And that's not easy, right? It's not easy to look at the um, behaviors that we have, the the way we, and I'll talk personally in a moment here, have structured our lives or choices that we've made that haven't come from a full honoring a feminine place. You know, so we really explore that very confrontively, very deeply, because, you know, until we do that, we can't really make a change. And I can't just, I don't believe, you know, do things out in the world or be an advocate for feminine values, women's rights without personally looking at myself and the places I'm not and working on it, right? And making shifts and seeing what's possible when I do, you know, and what can happen when we do. And, you know, we look at that and we're seeing it so much in our world, you know, women leaders who aren't, you know, leaders because they've decided to be just like men. No, they're women leaders who are honoring feminine values. You know, we've seen this in COVID, right? I think I've talked about it maybe in another episode, but um, if not, I know I talk about it in my trainings and, and mastermind that, you know, we've seen it more than ever this year, both the disparity and where it's not, you know, led to some pretty dire aspects based on us not, but then, you know, women leaders who really got right on it and tended to it, in not just like a nurturing, I mean, it was a nurturing, caring way, but also a very powerful place of vision, collaboration, cooperation, things that we would consider more feminine values. So 
we look at that, you know, we look at like what can happen, you know, when I personally, you know, live more true to my feminine values and when I personally don't. And then, you know, what could then happen in the world? And we do a lot of exploring in the arena of our emotions because our emotions are our feminine superpower. And obviously that's not, you know, as I will keep saying, not like a man-woman thing, like women have emotions, men don't, not at all. They're, they're just more characterized as the feminine and uh, a very feminine place to be is rawly, vulnerably exposed in our emotions. And, you know, for us as women, you know, that has historically felt dangerous. You know, it's, you don't do that. We armor our hearts and armor ourselves for whatever reasons feel that that is where we're going to be safer. But one of the things that I think many women, and I know I have through the years discovered that the more willing and open I am to being in my full and responsible fear, hurt, anger, my pain and sadness, and my joy, and living those fully and openly and beautifully and in proper context, of course, but in, and I again, I'm underlined responsibly, they are the harbingers of connection and knowing and following our intuition because without contact with our emotions, we're not going to tune in fully to ourselves, to our emotions, to our deeper knowing, as well as just dog shit, simple, like getting stuff done and making decisions. We can't do any of that without our emotions and without that feminine aspect. So we dive into that really deeply as well. And I really feel grateful for the opportunities I have through the weekend to develop myself as a feminine leader. You know, there were several things for this particular weekend that I focused on. And that was, you know, a role I had was to support the the, te- the leaders that were leading teams to, you know, kind of be in front of the room, so to speak, sharing some of the content, which is always a huge privilege. So I get to see year to year everything from, wow, you know, where have I grown where have I developed myself? And then where is just some of that same stuff, right? And where are my gaps? And really have learned through this training to open myself to feedback and open myself from these women who I've journeyed with so long to really be able to trust in them and trust in them having goodwill and vision for me to be my best and highest and to be able to as well harnessed and strongly as possible you know, live this way in the world. And my mission, you know, around mothering and mothering ourselves really was born out of this training. I mean, it is the birthplace for me. And I'm going to well up again. I guess this is one of those (laughs) uh, vulnerable sessions um, for this one, which I think is I'm kind of happy about, I guess, because I'm living it right. So when I think about that as the birthplace of myself as a really coming into being a woman, sometimes there's a quote we use from Simone de Beauvier that we aren't born women, we become women. And I really think it is a choice that we have to d- fully develop ourselves. Like we might have the the parts and we do and they're, you know, the, the body or the physicality that might make us more woman or not or you know, in that continuum. But as far as claiming myself and develop my, myself fully in my feminine, you know, that's a choice. That's a choice I have and that we have. And, uh, you know, obviously through the years, like I said, in developing myself in this birthplace that I talked about, but particularly when it came to 
the big shift and transition in my life when I decided to do my doctorate. And um, I'm going to share a little bit of some of, you know, what's emerged for me since then. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo meaning land of the goddess women and coming to really take time for yourself. Okay. And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go? It's a five and a half day retreat, getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if the idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up, but now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. But particularly when I was in the midst of my doctorate and I knew I was, you know, I was already planning and preparing. And when it came time for the year, I think it was 2016, when I did my study, which was a 12 hour training for uh, women that had not or did not have children in what I called then preparing for mothering. And, you know, really wanted to raise women's awareness, which is what, you know, the the Rewrite the Mother Code platform is all about, which is raising our awareness to the transformational opportunity in mothering, seeing, you know, that in, in so many ways. But it's it was really through, you know, this work and, and this weekend where, 
Judith also has for years brought to light uh, just, you know, the, I don't know, maybe more ancient intuitive wisdom that we have encoded in us as women and brought to the forefront. And she had said it many years, but it actually the timing in 2016 of this was we women's essential. And then my, my doctoral uh, study training was the following weekend. And <laughs> You know, I remember being so scared, like, I can't, I have so much to do. I can't do this weekend, but I knew it would prepare me so much. And what stood out particularly that year for me in the training was, you know, Judith underlying and, and reiterating how we are all mothers and that the most important person we need to mother is ourselves. And I'm like, hmm, you know, that seems like a really important message to underline and share particularly for the women I was going to be addressing the following week. I know it's always been powerful for me to hear that and know it, but it really stood out as something, you know, for women who were particularly focused on looking at like, am I going to be a mother of children? Do I want to be, uh, you know, what does that hold for me? And really exploring that territory so vulnerably that when I brought in the concept that, you know, you're already a mother, we're all mothers, and it's just you may choose to mother a child or not held so much power and meaning for them that it really has become, you know, this foundational aspect of rewriting the mother code, you know, and it's why I call it, you know, in the area of like kind of the cosmic aspect, right? Expanding the definition and possibilities for us in our mothering. Those were just, you know, some maybe more broader overview aspects of it, but there was a particular piece in this training that normally, and I think I have almost every year, uh, and it was, I don't know, I haven't looked at like, whatever, it, very interesting that this, you know, because we'll, we all share um, our own journeys, like women in Sophia and that, like, well, you know, what have we learned? Where have, what's our journey been like? And in a, a particular arena where we're looking at, you know, very deeply where we have and haven't honored ourselves as women and overvalued the masculine. And I usually share a personal example at that at that point. And I was getting myself all ready for it and thinking about it and and being with it. And one another thing that I highly, highly respect about Judith, always try and learn from when she leads these trainings, every part and piece is movable, a little changeable. And, you know, always looking at, you know, kind of the who we're addressing and what's happening in the room and really trying to, you know, bring about these points in the best way possible. So things shifted and we made these points on the training in a little bit different way. And it was interesting because I was like, hmm, I wonder what that means for me. But anyway, that's not the bigger point. want to share a bit about what that was for me personally, because, you know, I uh, externally, I would probably look like someone who values the feminine because I... I guess I just can't, you know, I look more feminine and I kind of behave in more of those stereotypical feminine ways. But I have and continue, even though I've worked on it, it's a continuum, have overvalued the masculine in my life. And like I said, I have skills in what we consider more feminine, you know, particularly from my upbringing with my mother. She was, you know, very astute at the feminine aesthetic, right? We had a beautiful home, you know, what we wore and clothing and and the external, I learned a lot about, and I'm great, hugely grateful, you know, for that training and valuing it to a level. But, you know, she was limited in understanding, you know, the power of external beauty, such that it really kind of ended at, it was really kind of more for show, more, you know, and, and from a just even, you know, personal dressing and look aspect, 
that I was aware that that beauty had power, but it was more to get attention and ultimately to get a man, you know, but also to get general approval, you know, and it turns out that I had, and I I was aware that I had some pretty decent masculine skills. My intelligence was very decent. I did well, you know, in school and even in math for a, a long time. And, but I remember various points early on, you know, and before, you know, kind of real early on when girls and boys, you know, haven't developed physically enough where, you know, the, it's not so obvious that you're different. And I was very fast. I was, uh, you know, could run really fast and beat a lot of the boys. But as we developed, you know, in grade school, and I saw that that wasn't going to happen anymore. And there's just, it's so you know, interesting to see how our thinking and our environment, you know, molds us. But I, I made a choice. And I made a choice at that time that developing the masculine was hard. And even if I had, you know, some skill or that in it, I, I was never going to win at that game. So I'm like, yeah, you know, I could definitely win at this other one, I could see that, you know, it comes more naturally, it's easier. And, even, you know, I, I, I kind of didn't see the point. And I definitely saw, and you know, there's lots of reasons I could go into why me in particular would make a choice that it being hard, it would turn me off, right? So I made that, I made that choice. And I would episodically like pull out and see that it would be important to develop certain masculine aspects. And so I got this finance and accounting degree, came out of college, got a really great uh, job at a consulting firm, a litigation consulting firm, and got into that environment. And it was challenging. And again, I could kind of see like, ah, oh, you know, this is going to take some some real like harnessing of the masculine to do well. And I ended up still sane in that environment, but going to a smaller firm where, you know, it wasn't so pronounced, I wouldn't have to do quite the masculine of the competitiveness and some of those aspects. I kind of, I, I found a way out of that, but still stayed in an arena and was able to make a really good income. Then I met my, you know, in in that range is where I met my now husband. And but my thinking then wasn't, you know, in this broader perspective that I have now. It was more like, oh, here's a very smart man, very masculine, you know, good looking, helped, already financially, you know, from his family, financially stable and beyond. So here it was like, ah, you know, finally, you know, like this is what I've been looking for, where I can marry the masculine. So instead of developing myself, continuing to develop myself or look at like what that could bring me, I married it. And this really had a cost, you know, and even as I became aware of it, it, I can't say I'm still working on it. And we'll get to that in a minute. But as I began to develop and understand feminine values and develop them, I, I really found I have a I have a really big heart. I feminine values matter to me. They they come kind of naturally to me and I want to live them and share them. But with this underdeveloped masculine, I kinda would just float in them and, you know, not bring them to fruition. And, you know, I'm getting a little choked up again because this is where it ties back, you know, to my daughter and daughters is you know, one of my big regrets and remorse as my daughters got older and I looked back was where I had made some significant progress in developing my feminine. But then in the midst of my mothering, lost myself in many ways. And one of them was reverting back, giving up that fight, so to speak, and resting on, you know, my husband's innate powers of the masculine and, you know, pointing our daughters more in the direction of valuing achievement and outcomes and, 
you know, kind of what's more typically valued, you know, again, like, yes, valuing the external of the beauty. And, and I know, you know, it wasn't exactly how it played out for me in my life, but there were a lot of mirrors. And for me, a lot of regret and remorse of like, what could have been, what could have been in my upbringing of them and raising of them if I had like fully fought for and fully lived into and, you know, tussled more with my husband and had us like really work together in bringing about more harmony in the masculine and feminine. So, you know, it really was that realization. It pierced my heart. I had a ton of regret and remorse. And, but Judith, the women, Dr. Bob, right, all held vision for me in this area. And it's what prompted me to go into, to do my doctorate, to harness this masculine in a way that I hadn't before so that I could have strength in that area to bring about my vision, you know, and live into this vision of what's possible and the transformational opportunity of mothering, what's possible, you know, now that I'm living and and seeing my husband like delight when I'm, you know, bringing together my, my masculine skills to bring out the feminine. And it isn't something that's going to turn him off or turn him away, which I think were some of my you know, more unconscious fears that I had if, if I really had gone for it or went for it. So I don't know, I kind of looking at, you know, how I, what I'm coming away with for myself, you know, from this is I'm even really just exploring it now with, with you all and seeing how on the training, like places, I'm going to go back to that just seeing how in this piece and underlining this piece for myself on it, I really noticed that in this year I have developed a lot more masculine and brought that to bear in a way that brought more feminine into our year of COVID with my family, you know, with rewrite the mother code and, you know, for the other pieces and parts I had on this weekend, I brought a masculine structure to the things that I share that allowed me to be more powerful, me to feel more powerful. And the feedback I got from others was that I was more powerfully feminine. And, but that's because I was using the masculine in service of the feminine. And I think that is, you know, ultimately continues to be my big takeaway. It isn't, you know, to overtake it. It isn't to have it be better than it's more, how do I, you know, as a a woman who wants to live, you know, more in harmony with masculine feminine values, what does that look like? And what does that mean? So I'm leaving with a clear vision and awareness and the, I don't know, kind of fortitude, like re, you know, reinvigorated uh, with continued work at it because it's hard. It's hard when you haven't developed those muscles and you've lived a certain way to, you know, build new ones. But it's when you have those glimmers and those moments and, you know, and I will say, you know, to have my daughter, you know, reflect on the weekend, like places she was proud of me and sharing, you know, some of her experience that, you know, I think in summary, I don't think it's an accident, you know, that it was this training that she was on and I feel hugely grateful and, you know, for the gift of, of mothering her, mothering myself, giving birth in so many ways. (laughs) And I felt like this one was a a birthing of myself in a new way. And, uh, you know, the fact that I got to be with her in that is, is very, very special to me and being with all the women, you know, it's so amazing to me how, this collection of women come with such yearning and wanting and, you know, we all come up against our stuff, but in the end, you know, see possibilities and see the power of what can happen when, when we shift and start living this way. So I am very much hoping that there was places in here that you could see yourself or resonate and, 
and maybe take some moments to reflect and journal or, you know, look at, meditate on where have I and have I not honored, you know, where have I overvalued the masculine, undervalued the feminine and you know, what would that look like, start to look like if I shifted that? Of course, I would always love you to join me in that journey. And I love taking women on that journey because it keeps me going on my journey in both individual coaching and, um, you know, rewrite the mother code masterminds and talks, you know, that arena is specifically set up, you know, for us to go on that journey. And, you know, even what I've shared here about the woman's essential experience, we won't do it again until next May, but it's never too, you know, early to make that commitment and sign up for that. So always definitely want those invitations to be there because it means a ton to me. So wishing you well, would love to hear any, any time about your journey. So please feel free to reach out in all of my channels and any, any way that you can. And we'll, we'll be sharing and learning and growing together. Thanks so much. If you like what you hear in this podcast, and of course I hope you do, I'm excited to share that my next Mother Code Mastermind is coming up launching on June 7th. The Mastermind is an immersive six-week exploration into rewriting your mother code. You'll be supported by not only me, but a group of extraordinary women, each on her own journey towards self-love, self-prioritization, and self-fulfillment. The Mother Code Mastermind, each one is unique because of the women who come, but it's designed to give you the guidance and tools you need to nurture yourself first, no matter where you are in your life or on your mothering continuum and journey and be prepared to disrupt everything you've ever believed about the word mother and own it for your own expansion and empowerment. I hope you sign up and you can do so at www.drgertrudelyons.com slash mastermind. And the link is also in the show notes. I really hope to see you there. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, Please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother. Wait, no, subscribe to Mother Her. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually, everybody, men included. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com. I'll see you next time.